0: The last word with Matt Cooper.
1: Today FM.
0: So let's talk about the death of Michael Parkinson, the venerated former British chat show host, the most famous television interviewer perhaps that Britain has ever had. John Masterson, as a former producer of The Late Late Show in Ireland, would that be exaggerating uh, Parkinson's impact?
1: Oh no, he was enormous. I mean, in 1971, when he started, like London was the kind of television capital of the world for, he had people coming who hadn't even been seen, American actors of, of huge stature coming, who hadn't see, been seen before. And he very rapidly, he was just anyone I know who has ever met him, and I never met him, said he was just a lovely, lovely man, very, very nice off screen. And I know Gay and he retained a friendship all, always. Um, in fact, Crona, Gay's daughter put up a lovely photograph on facebook today of the two of them chatting and it's it's not that many m- many years ago they'd worked together in granada and had a m- huge mutual respect but yes no you couldn't overstate it he was enormous talented gifted And absolutely couldn't have been a better person in the right place at the right time.
0: A man from Barnsley in Yorkshire who also was a very gifted writer particularly as a sports journalist. We'll get to Mm. his sporting interests in a minute but I think it's fair to say that he probably made Billy Connolly the comedian famous from the various interviews that he conducted in an early part of Billy Connolly's career and that continued and here's one from Michael Parkinson's final chat show. It's all the way back in 2007 in which he's talking Talking to Billy Connolly.
2: The, the biggest terror I have of growing old is smelling of pee. Are
0: you, are you on the stage?
2: I don't smell of pee, but I live in terror of smelling yeah. of pee. And I often wonder if I do smell of pee, because it might be like, you know, you can't smell it when it's you. No. Like, you know the I mean? way, when you go to your farm, when you first arrive at a farm, you go, Good Jesus Christ, can these people live with us? <laughs> Ten minutes later and you're going, oh, that smells away, there must have been a breeze. I'm just a <laughs> Another thing is involuntary noises. <laughs> i started making involuntary, I don't mean just like... <laughs> I mean, like I pick things up and I go, ah, well, there you go. <laughs> like old guys, I remember old guys, do you? Ah, Jesus, out of a chair. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my cure for that is to change the conversation mm. so as they don't hear you doing it. So you, you think I must get out of the chair. So you you start a conversation and what about bit isn't that whole thing a dreadful smess? And they'll go, I don't know it's terrible and then you go, ah, the whole thing's a disgrace and yes. Into a beanbag chair, <laughs> you might never get out. After you're 35, don't go near a beanbag. You'll be flopping about like a turtle on its back.
0: The story goes, John, that um, he found Billy Connolly, or it was it was re- he was recommended to him by a cab driver and put him on the television in 1975 when he was on the Scottish club circuit and almost an unknown.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably true. I watched, uh, well, you know, Barry Cryer does documentaries every now and again on Sky Atlantic, I think it is, or Sky Documentaries. And he did one on Billy Connolly uh, a while ago and he was absolutely clear that uh, Parkinson made Billy Connolly and he went from being somebody who played clubs to somebody who could practically fill a stadium the next day and a lot of it hinged on one joke because this is, as you say, it was 1975. Times were much simpler and even some of those fart jokes that he was telling you, you just couldn't do them in 1975 and there was one particular joke which Billy wanted to tell and uh, and his manager kind of "Mm, might be a bit touchy, I'm not sure if you should go there. Anyhow, Billy decided and it was a very today. It sounds like a very simple joke. It was like the, it was about the man who buried his wife and uh, brought along one of his friends to see, and the wife had been buried, but her hindquarters weren't covered and, and the punchline, which which, which I can't do, but Billy didn't did you do that. I said, I needed somewhere to park my bike. And Parkinson, if you see that, laughs like a drain. And one of the lovely things about Parkinson was, he always seen, it, every time you see a picture of him nearly, he has a smile on his face. It was great, great fun, that show. But that joke catapulted Billy Connolly with Parkinson's assistance and appreciation of it from Minor to major, and of course, he Billy stayed major forever. I mean, it's uh, actually I haven't noticed anything from uh, from Billy today, but I'm sure some something will have, will have, will have happened privately because I think they they retained a great uh, respect for each other.
0: I see when it came to Paul McCartney that he appeared Parkinson appeared on the cover of the 1974 Wings album Band on the Run, and how long did it take then before Paul McCartney ended up on Parkinson?
1: Oh really? Twenty five years
0: apparently before oh, really? he
1: went on with it. <laughs> right. Well he did interview John and Yoko, and that's one of the very few times that they would have been interviewed together. Um it, it's I mean Well actually the today. time
0: when he interviewed Paul McCartney, it was his first major TV appearance after his death the death of his wife Linda the previous year. Oh uh,
1: really? Yeah. Well, that would have been, yeah. See, Parkinson was, I don't know if Parkinson was born a great listener or he learned to be a great listener, but he never stopped being a great listener. So I think someone like of McCartney's stature would have felt very, very safe. But also it would have been, he was legendary for his, his research. I mean, I'm talking to a former late, late researcher about, about this today. And she remembered the time when Gay would say, Gay would have watched and said, "Parky got a better interview out, about, out of that person than I Well, I tell you, John, the
0: pre-interviews would have been an hour. A friend of mine was a guest on the show. Back yeah. in the first decade of this century, and one of the researchers came and interviewed him at his home here in Dublin for nearly four hours yeah. to get all of the stories that he could possibly bring back to Parkinson to prime the whole thing. So it was very, very carefully scripted. Look, Absolute, I
1: mentioned sh- research. No, I don't think so much scripted, but research. But uh, it, it was apparently not unheard of for a researcher to go back to a guest up to three times. And identify good stories and almost coach them into how they get the best value out of the story or how to tell the story. Now, Parkinson might not have known the story, but he would have known the nuts and bolts like, you know, Joe has a good story about such and such, lead him into that. And he knew then to just sit there knowing that this person was going to give two and a half minutes and there'll be a good laugh at the end.
0: He was a guest here on The Last Word back in December 2016 when he was in Dublin. He was promoting a book that he had written about his interactions with Muhammad Ali, the, the famous boxer who he interviewed on four separate occasions on his TV show. So when he was here with me, I asked him what made Muhammad Ali stand out from other sports people.
3: I think it is indefinable that certain something that, that they have. There's a kind of field force around them. I know it sounds, it sounds silly, I don't know, at least some, uh, guy to go in that sort of spiritual direction wherever it might be. but uh, there was some, there is something different about he was of course too, a very impressive looking man. I mean to start with he was six foot tall and beautiful I mean great face, lovely mobile features, laughed a lot, did did all that stuff. Uh, but there was something about him too, which was it was the range of his interest too, and the range of his of his anger, and the range of his laughter, and the range of his hypocrisy, and all that. <laughs> I mean, everything he did was exaggerated beyond the point of parody, almost. And but was
0: it real? When he was angry uh, about things, was he actually real in that anger, well, or uh, was he doing things for effect? No, I, I got
3: both of it. I got the stuff where he played the game and got doing you know, mock anger with you, and then the time when the one time particularly where he actually the eyes went and. and he was really, really angry. And it is a problem, because if you're sitting next to a, an angry jockey, it's one thing to be sitting next <laughs> to a 16-and-a-half angry heavyweight.
0: Let's hear another clip from that interview when Michael Parkinson talked about Ali later in life and the size of his start.
3: I think it's awful that, not he felt, I'm sure, the people around him felt they could cart him around like some prize exhibit. He, he was too brilliant for that. He was too... Important, I think, as I said, as an iconic fear to go back to the beginning where we started. But you know, there are certain people who are this kind. They're not just celebrity; they're more than that. They're not just famous, or well, they're, they're a degree above it. Like, like you know, Mandela, him, the two of them, were, but just different. I mean, everybody in the world wanted to touch the hem of the coat. You know, what I mean, <laughs> that's what set him apart.
0: It must have been fascinating, though, to go back at this remove. To do the book yeah. after he died, and to, to actually go back and assess the work that you had done and with, and to him.
3: in many ways pay tribute to him when I couldn't do it to his face, he wouldn't let that. you do that. He was, it was too no anyone any of that, you know, all stuff. So it's nice to be able to sort of remember him fondly, and and and, and to try to really analyze for myself that that what made him what he was, and why I found him so attractive, and and and. Uh, it was a, it was a strange. I met him four times, interviewed him four times. I knew not a thing about him when he died because whenever you did an interview with Ali, he would blow it up immediately. All the research you'd done, all the careful planning, wallop it, they gone. But the genius of it as I say with Ali is every time you interviewed him, so there was a new miracle to talk about.
0: John, I'm going to play one more clip before we finish talking about Michael Parkinson. And this is maybe one of the lower points in his career. There were suggestions that he wasn't as good, maybe, as in, at interviewing women as he was with men, that he was something of a man's man. And he certainly didn't seem to get on with Meg Ryan in 2003. You are trying to be a journalist?
2: I did, yeah. I went to New York University, which is... um. Uh, uh, anyway, I went to New York University and tried to uh, study to be a journalist. I never graduated. I had about a semester to go.
3: And and why why did you change from being a journalist to, to to being an actress?
2: Uh I I was paying my way through school by doing commercials and things like that and one just overtook the other. I think some sometimes your life seems to choose you a little bit, and I feel like that's
3: what happened. Do you, do you mean what what kind of journalist would you have, made, do you think?
2: <laughs> um Well, I wasn't interested in doing anything really, you know, hardcore, but I was interested in doing things like, you know, maybe write for a magazine or cooking
3: things, like some
2: article on food.
3: Now that you're you're wary of journalists, I mean, does it give you an insight into what they're after?
2: Now that I'm wary of them.
3: Yes, you are wary of journalists. You're wary of me. You're wary of the interview. You don't like being interviewed. You can see it's in the way that you, you sit and the way you are. That you don't
0: like
3: doing <laughs> so, so, therefore, well, I mean, it's a perfectly e- easy question, a decent question to ask you about it, being it, a journalist. I mean, in other words, if you were me, what would you do now? Well, I just wrap it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Okay, and there was as well, John, there was an infamous interview with Helen Mirren back in 1975 because he described her as the sex queen of the Royal Shakespeare Company and asked if her equipment hindered her being recognised as a serious actress.
1: Yes, and she said, "Which part of my equipment? Do you mean my fingers? I mean, she was very uneasy." It was—it was kind of—it was 1975, was it, or something like that? He sounded like uh, you know a middle-aged man talking to a young girl, not quite—not quite knowing how to. It, sound, it sounded. It's something you couldn't imagine hearing today. But one thing about Ali, which I, I think is worth mentioning, is I think it was probably in his last interview where Ali was going on for one of these fights where everyone thought he's going to get killed. He was too old. He needed the money and so on. And Parkinson takes a very almost avuncular approach. and says, listen, we're worried about you. People are worried that you're going to get hurt. And Ali was having none of it. And Parkinson kept coming back to this thing of, listen, is this the right thing to do? Is this sensible, you know... You, this could, you've seen guys shuffling around who got hit too often. And Ali then went on the sort of almost up to his height and said, look, I'm up here looking down at you down there. I know how to do this. What do you You get paid, what, 10 quid a week or something like that? Da, 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 da. And he went into a kind of he, he wasn't able to deal with with Parkinson's genuine care for him, which looked, which I mean, because anyone would have known at that stage this, and we saw the tragedy of Ali, how he ended up in the end, that it was probably the wrong thing for a man of his age, however brilliant he had been to go in and get hit a lot, you know?
0: I just wanted to think about Michael Parkinson. He did also have a bad period when he drank way too much alcohol, didn't he?
1: Yeah, yes, he did. I think he was very, very open about it. But then he also had a period where, at one stage, he was in Australia and in London doing shows in the same week. So he used to finish one show, get on Concord, go down, do the other show, get back on Concord, and come back and do another show. So, I mean, he he was uh, he certainly put in the work hours. So he's probably entitled to some leisure, even if he perhaps took it a little too far for some years. But you I mean you're looking at a career of fifty-ish years, uh, you know? And uh, if you went off the rails for a while he went off the rails for a while so many so many other things to remember uh, like i mean married to his wife who they met as journalists i think they're married Oh, they got married in their 20s. uh, And uh, there there was a wonderful, uh, the thing you hear people say about him who met him was he was authentic as a word you hear people use a lot. He was straightforward. He was a guy, he loved his cricket. He loved his sport. and, uh, and, And I think when you look at a great listener like that, and this is something that's very, very true of Gay as well. Gay didn't just listen on screen. He listened all the time. He had a genuine interest in people. And not having met him I get the impression Parkinson was a very easy conversationalist and that people felt very easy in his company and Indeed. that he probably felt felt likewise.
0: Indeed. Well, that's our experience when you visited us Absolutely. here in the yeah. studio in December 2016, yeah. uh, the late Michael Parkinson. Thank you very much, Sean Masterson, former late, late Joe producer, for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today